Welcome to the She Speaks Podcast. I am your host, Shanika, but for this forum, you can call me Neek or Sis. This is a show for women that discusses real life topics to let you know that you are not alone on this journey called life. And while we're taking this journey, I'm also encouraging you to embrace the concept of true sisterhood. Are you ready, sis? Let's go. Please be advised that this podcast episode may be sensitive in nature to some of our listeners. I want to give you this disclaimer because, as you know, the She Speaks podcast is a safe space for those who are on the platform. This episode deals with spirituality, a faith walk, and also traumatic events that is experienced by our dope soul who is being interviewed. If at any time this episode may be too much for you, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, or physically, I ask that you disconnect from the podcast and seek the necessary help that is available to you. As always, I appreciate you being a listener of the She Speaks podcast, and I thank you for your time. Okay, ma'am. So welcome back. You are three and a half months in. So tell us what's going on. Okay. So three and a half months in is September. A couple of weeks ago, we were still kind of trying to get ready. And, you know, when I first got here and I put up the pictures, we had stuff stacked from like the floor all the way up to the roof. So we just went through and kind of like we're getting through a bunch of stuff, getting rid of a bunch of stuff. I've sent so many bags to like the Goodwill and stuff like that. So everything was just kind of swimming along and I was fine with it. Like I felt surrounded by support and love. And I just realized like, this is where I need to be. I felt good about it. You know, I told you last time that there were so many people who didn't really want me to go on sabbatical, but I really didn't feel doubt about going into it. So one of the main things, one of the main benefits of us coming here to Little Rock was my dad let us live with him. And my dad has had like problems with his heart or whatever for years, you know, so he takes his medicine. It's, it's not like he's in and out of the hospital kind of thing, but it's, it's, you know, it's just kind of a normal part of, of life. Well, we were here one day just doing what we do, watching movies. This was like this was like August 18th or so watching movies and chilling and talking. And my dad was asking me to like turn off the air cause he got too cold. So I went in and turned off the air as I'm crossing back across the room. I see my dad just like lock up in his, I don't even know how to explain this look he had on his eyes, except for to say like, I could see the light like leaving his eyes. And um, he was going like, he was like frozen legs and arms frozen and I was calling his name but he wasn't really like responding everything so I'm yelling for G because he's in the kitchen now you know my daughter has food allergies so he thinks it, it's I'm yelling for her but I yell at him call 911 
So my dad is going out. Like I can see his eyes rolling back. Like he's not responding to anything. Now, you know, we are trained. We've been through CPR, all this stuff. And in that moment, nothing prepared me for like seeing my dad like that. Like this dude is a superhero still in his 60s. He's a superhero in my eyes. And so my husband calls 911 and everything was happening so fast. And he's ready, to, my husband's ready to do compressions, but I don't want to mess things up. So with all that training, like, I still am afraid that I'm going to do something wrong. Yeah. So the person on the 911 call, I'm getting like frustrated because I'm like, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Because I can see his eyes going back and he's just like leaning and going out. But she has questions she has to ask. So she's asking about his age, all these different things to figure out like what's really going on. So my dad is like 240 pounds and I'm like 150 at my highest weight. When she said, grab him, like put him on the floor, I grabbed my dad, all 240 pounds of him and put him on the floor. And I didn't just like chunk him on the floor. Like the adrenaline was rushing so fast. I wasn't even thinking about it. I laid him gently on the floor. And my husband, you know, as we talked about it later, is like, he went to grab him. And my husband's a big dude. You met him. Yes. <laughs> he went to grab him. But when he saw I was grabbing his top, he just like, okay, I'll grab his legs. And he, he was kind of shocked. And I wasn't thinking about it at the time. But when I think back, I'm like, how did I get him off the couch on the floor? But anyways, G starts doing compressions on him. He has no pulse at this point. And I'm like, we just got here. Like, this was thinking like, we barely been here 60 days at this point. We just got here. Don't tell me this man's about to die on me, like in here. So we kind of get him back, but he's still kind of like out of it. We ride in the ambulance and, you know, in true fashions of, of emergency, like we, none of us barely have any clothes on. Um, I'm not prepared. My phone, I don't even think my phone was working. I have to use my dad's phone. So I got like his stuff with me. We get to, the ER and he's kind of talking and I'm like okay he's stable he gets in the ER and he seizes up again and I'm panicking I'm like y'all aren't doing anything like I'm watching him and he's reaching for me he's like I'm hot you know give me something cool like he wants to cool his body down and I don't know what to do but he's like reaching for me he's reaching for me and I don't know what to do and I'm reaching for him so now I feel like I'm helpless there's nothing I can do he goes out again they wake him up again then he starts like throwing up all this blood and all this stuff. By the time, by that time, my sister is there, my my older sister, who normally deals with all this stuff. Cause this is not, this is not my area. This is her area, right? Like when crazy stuff happens, she used to be a nurse. All of my sisters have some type of like medical training. Um, when crazy stuff happens, she's the one that usually does this stuff. But I was here and I told her, you know, I will do what I can. I will take over whatever I can you know, to relieve you of some of this stuff because she does so much work. So they kind of get him stable again. He gets a room. He's doing fine. Two or three days go, you know, goes by. They're saying like, hey, we think you have a blockage. He flatlined three times. So he was getting better. And then all of a sudden he flatlines like three times. And the whole room fills up. So I'm standing there now. So, you know, I have a lot of siblings, three sisters, three brothers. I'm standing there now watching them shock him 
And I know my other sister and my other brothers on the other side, and they don't know what's going on. They just think he's in the ICU. They don't know that he's flatlined. And I'm thinking in that moment, like, no, like, God, you brought me here on sabbatical. Why would you bring me here and then let him die? I'm like, yeah. I, I can't accept, like, he's going to die. And we didn't even get to do anything. Like, all I've been doing this whole time is cleaning up. Like, we didn't get to enjoy each other. We haven't had fun. And, like, this can't be this can't be it. Like, so I go out through ICU and I tell my sister who's studying to get uh, another nursing certification. I tell her like, he's flatlined. Serious things with us. And I tell him, my siblings finally walk out and like, they got a pulse, a very weak pulse, three times now. By the time we come back in, my dad is on life support. He has a feeding tube. He's on a ventilator, like he's just out and they are pushing heavy, heavy drugs. Like we're just sitting there watching and trying to figure out like everything happened so quickly. We had no idea, like we know he has heart problems, but we don't know what's going on. And we're watching him on life support now. So most of my siblings have arrived now and the doctors are coming out and I can't even like focus on what they're saying. Cause I'm like, I know what they're going to say is going to be something that, um, is going to be something that is not spiritually based. Like I know y'all are doctors and I know we have to be practical, but if you have to come out here and tell me that my dad's going to die, like I need you to go back in there. I need you to figure something else out. Like that's not going to happen. So I'm the youngest girl. And I'm not the one in charge. Like, you know, there's a pick in order when you have sisters and brothers. But, you know, it's it was serious then, but we laugh about it now because my sister was there. And I'm like, somebody call my mama. I'm like, I need my mama now. My parents ain't been together for years, years and years. And I was like, I need my mama. And my sister just kind of grabs me and holds me. And I'm like, this can't be it. Like, I just, I'm not accepting it. So I tell my sisters and brothers, and again, I'm not thinking about like the pecking order, who's in charge, all this stuff. I'm like, yo, I'm like, we got to pray. We get right between the waiting room and the ICU. And we just stand in agreement and we just like pray. Like, God, you got to spare this man and surround this hospital with angels and work with these people and help these folks do their job. Um, and we're just in there every day. Like my mom always told us, and maybe it's because of the healthcare system here in Arkansas that when somebody goes into the hospital, you do not leave them by themselves. Somebody has to be with them every single moment. And so we were on shifts, me and my siblings. Now there was a couple like gripes and this person don't like what this person did and this person's mad at this person. But for the most part, the level of unity was exactly like what my mom had been raising us to do. And my dad as well, like that was the level of unity. I think they had always hoped for us as siblings, because there's almost always so much like infighting and this person said this, this, and like my mom, I think was always worried that in the middle of chaos that we wouldn't be able to really like stand together. So I know she was hoping that. So it's like this really tragic thing going on and scary thing going on. But at the same time, there's so much, I felt so much pride and I felt so humble that nobody said you're the youngest of us don't tell me what to do like you don't tell me to stand here in a prayer circle like who are you 
like they allowed me and I don't know if it's because I needed it they needed it but before we prayed everybody was crying and just everybody was all over the place and after we prayed there was a certain amount of like strength and like faith yeah I've always wanted my faith to be like bigger um you know the bible says you only need the faith of a mustard seed and I think that as I've just barely had the mustard seed and so as time goes on like everybody's taking shifts and we're spending the night and we are back and forth and we are exhausted and it was only a total he was in the hospital for seven days but it felt like weeks it felt like weeks and weeks and weeks were in there and we're talking to him and you know not knowing that if he could hear us or not but every time a doctor would come in with a report that didn't align with what we felt like the lord's will was we were like nah <laughs> nah they were like, well, we don't know if he's going to, he was out so long because he was out for a couple of minutes before they got at his post back. So we don't know, you know, how his brain's going to be. I'm like, he's going to be fine. And I know they must've thought we were crazy, specifically me, because they would come in and I'm like, oh no. I was like, he's going to be amazing. I was like, prepare to be amazed. I literally told the doctor, like, prepare to be amazed. Y'all go in there and do what you have to do and like watch him rebound. So my dad's on the vent and everything two or three days he finally starts to come around and he's pissed and my dad is not a huge huge man but he's very like strong Mm -hmm. and I knew because they had him like strapped down I was like them little things ain't gonna hold him like he's breaking out of the restraints he thinks somebody has done something to him and he's trying to figure out like what's going on so we're trying to make sure we're like in his face like you're okay you're in the ICU this is what happened all this stuff Meanwhile, I mean, this team that he had was just amazing. And it seemed like everybody we got just happened to be a believer. Mm. Like every time a nurse came in, so I was standing there reading scripture over my dad, praying over my dad, all these things. And somebody walks in and I was a little bit embarrassed because here I am standing over him reading scripture. But I was like, you know what? I'm not going to stop because, hey, there's a reason I'm doing this. And the nurse is like, oh, no everybody needs this word like you go ahead and continue with you doing like the nurses the doctors just randomly believers would show up and provide a little bit of encouragement at one point the person who was bringing the food <laughs> let me know like they're a believer and I'm not ashamed and God has been good to me and I just took that as kind of like a sign and when finally when pop started coming back around you know he was still kind of like out of it but he didn't get weaned off the vent so my sister tells me who's a nurse like typically you get weaned off the ventilator and typically you don't see somebody do so well but when he woke up and he came to himself and they finally got everything you know removed he started rebounding so quickly and we had prayed the prayer but he rebounded so quickly that we were surprised (laughs) so you know he's he came immediately off the ventilator you know, they pulled off out the feet into, they moved him down and his legs were so weak, but the display of like willpower and discipline. And I was like, this is, he's already talking. He's already laughing. He's already joking. So at this point, I think we had been in the hospital, maybe five days total in, you know, normal rooms and ICU and stuff like that. But it was a Thursday, I think when he got moved down to a normal room and he looks at me and he's like how long do I have to get ready 
for the wedding. So my sister was getting married that weekend and she didn't cancel the wedding. And she was like, my dad's going to walk me down the aisle. Either my dad's going to walk me down the aisle or nobody's going to walk me down the aisle. And it's Thursday. And this man just had a cardiac event and he cannot walk. But he looks at me and he's like, yo, he said, how much time do I have to get ready for the wedding? I said, it's Thursday. <laughs> the wedding's on Sunday. And my dad is like determined. He starts moving his feet, his legs. You know, they keep telling him, you're a fall risk, all this stuff. And he's like, no, nah, I'm getting up out of here. Moving around, doing everything. He started using the bed potty to, like as a walker. You know, everybody's trying to help him. And he's like, no, 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 I got this. But his legs are like so weak. And I'm scared. At the moment, I'm like scared. I'm like, he's so hard headed. Like, but I know he's going to do this because he's told me I'm going to do this. And so finally, this nurse comes in. I'm like, we need a walker. She's like, he can't have a walker. He, he can't walk, first of all. He can't have a walker. And they tried to get him to pee in a urinal and use a bedpan. And he's like, no, I can't do that. He's like, I need to be able to get up. They're like, but, and they're telling me like, you are too small to be standing here. You're going to hurt yourself and you're going to hurt him. Like y'all got to be careful. My dad was not having it. It's a Thursday. He's moving his legs. He's standing up. He's getting up and down. And the young lady that said she can give us walker. I said, look, I said, my dad's going to get up anyways. He's going to do it whatever he wants to do. Nobody can stop him. That's just who he is. So you can either bring this walker and give him the tools he needs, or you can let him use this bed potty, which is not going to be very safe. She brought it in, but she was so scared. I knew she was scared. She kept me in. I know she was like, I cannot lose this job. <laughs> Sis was like, please, Jesus, don't fall. I know she was the gladdest of us all when he discharged <laughs> Sis was pregnant tag like it's not me. <laughs> Please. By Friday, he was a he was going to the bathroom. He was using his walker. He was walking around his room. By Saturday, my dad was up, moving, getting himself in and out of the bed. Like we had ordered a chair for him because I thought, you know, people had said it's gonna be such a long road of recovery. I ordered a chair that like would lift him up and that was a waste of money. Like it was, he was at home. So I went to the wedding. I went to the wedding ahead of him. My husband was with him. So I'm thinking I'm going to see my dad with this walker. My dad walks out. Now. Without the walker? He'd been out of the hospital without the walker. He had his crutches in his hand. Now understand he flatlined three times. He had no damage to his ribs. He had no damage internally. They didn't break anything. Like, other than general weakness, he came out like almost nothing had happened. Now, today, he's up doing everything like himself. No issues with his brain, nothing like that. And just, I know I'm telling this story and I don't know if people can really understand like how much happened, but to see him on life support and the chaplain's up there and you know why the chaplain's showing up because they think like, this is it. Like he's not going to make it. And he walked, well, came out of the hospital on the walker and the very next day, he's like, I'm going to go take a hot bath. He takes a hot 
bath and gets out of the shower like I feel much better and is walking around like nothing has happened like seven days total to go from laying there completely out of it and then walk his daughter down the aisle like just my mind can't process everything that happened but there are so many signs and for other people maybe they won't see it like I see it but we're watching the movie we didn't finish when he felt bad the movie he didn't finish was called heaven can wait so all these things to me and they don't mean anything to anybody else but to me like it was reassurance to me that like this is not over like he still has things he needs to do he has to finish and I didn't come all the way here to bur bury him and I'm not doing it and I refused to believe anything they said that was going to be negative. And my siblings did too. Refuse to believe it. Just, we got to see a lot. Like my mom and my dad, they are cordial, but they are not in each other's lives like they're. My mom came to the hospital and sat with me. So out of love for me and my siblings, she came and she supported. Now I'm trying not to get emotional telling this story because it was just so much in it. It was, it was such a, like a rich experience. Like you wouldn't don't hear a story like that and think like people came out stronger and better for it, but we came out stronger and better for it. I got to see the Holy spirit. I got to see God like move in such an amazing way. I got to see my siblings like band together. I got to see like the power of love between two people, like a love that would allow you after everything that happen to come and like speak life over a person so like not just my mom's love for us but the love that's that's left between them like it's not romantic love but after you have seven kids with a person and you spend 30 years with them you'll always forever be connected and I don't know if I really understood that and just then my sister like we laugh about it now because I was like somebody call my mama like and that kind of love, like being able to have the kind of mother who would show up for you no matter what, no matter what it looks like and not care and just be there to love you and hold you like, because I was like a baby at that point. Like I literally was like, call my mama, somebody call my mom. And my mom said to my sister, like, well, what did you do when she said, I need my mama? She said, I grabbed her head and held it close to my bosom. I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> So my sister had to like step in and mother me in that moment. Like I'm a grown woman, but in that moment I was like, I need the person who makes me feel stronger. And that's my mom. And even like our spouses, all of our spouses was there. My husband was there. My husband saved my dad's life several times. And he's in there taking rotations in the hospital. And I learned about healthcare that like, you need a strong advocate. You need somebody in there with you. They don't know everything. They don't know everything about your loved one, nor do they care as deeply as you care. And sometimes you got to push back a little bit. Like they have degrees and, and for the most part, they do a great job, but they don't know everything. And if it don't sit right with you, you got to say something about it. So it's just everything continuously. Like I eat off of that experience every couple of days. Like I praised God in the moment. And then a couple of days I thought about it and I praised God again. Like you spared him. You spared him. And our prayers got up to you. And I really do believe that like there was, that the Holy Spirit was there. 
that God recognized we were touching an agreement. I believe that we had the best people at the time, the best cardiologists, the best nurses, the best teams there at the time. And everybody, I think, got something like out of it. And here I am on a sabbatical that probably shouldn't have happened. I found out recently that uh, the way I got my sabbatical approved is not the way they're doing it. So it probably wasn't even like the correct way. So now there's so much more like red tape. So even that, like I'm where I'm supposed to be. Like there's nothing, I already felt that way, but it is cemented now that like I'm where I'm supposed to be. I was supposed to take this year off. My dad lives alone. And if we hadn't been here, that would have been the end of him that day, but it wasn't. So that's what I've been up to. That's the update. <laughs> so there is so much to unpack, but we're not going to unpack it, right? Because I just remember the fight for you to take this sabbatical. And I firmly believe all of those events, even up to now, you telling this story was a part of God's plan the entire time. Because you just said the way it was done. <laughs> and I firmly believe yeah. God already knew where you needed to be. He just had to get you there. And I, I love all of the jewels that you have picked out of this. Um, I love the fact that you were able to see your siblings in a space where that was your community. That was your team. Those were your, you know what I'm saying? Like that was who you had to lean on at the time. Because in all of your assignments, you've been in different places. Like you haven't been close. You haven't been right. feel that and see that. And I know it was a traumatic event, but the fact that you were with your family, because yes. that's the whole point of doing this in there. You were like, I need to be with the people that love me. Right. Absolutely. Like one of the things I think I learned from being here is every assignment, I have been trying to find this certain kind of like community and unity. And I don't think I always made it easy for people to give me the love that I was looking for. But the biggest thing I learned is that I was looking for something I already had. I just need to get back to it. You know, like we don't always agree on everything and we get on each other's nerves and we fall out sometimes, but they won't let me be. They won't let me be sad. They won't let me be broke. Like, they will fight me to put money in my hand. Like, I can't even mention that, like, oh, I'm a little bit short on this or something like that being, you know, because I don't have the income that I had. They won't let me go without. They refuse to, like, let me go without. And that's the kind of love that, like, I think I was trying to force that in all these different situations. And I think when I go back, I'm going to be like, if I have a team that's as a amazing as the team that I love and that I grew up with that's fantastic but if I don't that's okay I am loved by a lot of people and I sit here and I giggle because you're such a good storyteller y'all she a real good storyteller but <laughs> and story time 
boss, it's story time. And I'm always, oh boy, because you're, and I think that's a gift that you have, being able to tell stories. And as you're telling us this story, I can see your father, like, moving his feet. I can see him thinking, okay, I got about two or three days to get where I want to be so I can fulfill this promise that I made, right? And it's a beautiful thing. My father passed away a long time ago. But to hear his determination, right? And, to, and I know he had to feel some type of way to see a kid in his face whenever he came to, right? That's a beautiful mm -hmm. thing because that's a legacy thing. And I don't think people understand that, right? You hear the stories about, you know, oh, you know, my parents are getting older and people take it as a, a burden. But to be able to see your legacy show up for you. Right. That for me, I was tearing up. I'm like, every single one of them was. And you said you as the children and your spouses. And our spouses. <laughs> and our spouses. And your mom. Baby, that's co-parenting on a whole nother level. <laughs> yes. yes. Shout, shout out to my mom because she is so legit. She really made me feel like, I don't know if we ever talked, but she really just made, made me feel so calm and so peaceful. And um, I'm taking us to a different place right now, but my mom and I didn't always have the best relationship. But as an adult, I realized like it was me. You know, it wasn't her. I never really gave her the chance. And I never really saw how awesome she was because she was the responsible parent. You know, she was the fun. She wasn't the fun parent like my dad. And so as an adult, getting to know her and getting to spend that time with her here on sabbatical. So we spend every Friday together when we can. We spend every Friday together and we have a little wine and we watch movies and we talk and she tells me about her childhood. And I so enjoy that time with her because she's just dope and she makes me laugh and I just love her spirit and her personality and her sass and everything and like her presence like there's something about a mother that's powerful and as mothers I don't know that we know that but like when you hold your baby you return them to home like the worst times in my life in my career there were some times where I said I'm going home just to give my mama a hug like I don't care if I gotta go to her job and pull her out of whatever she's doing I'm going to give her a hug and like having her there is like a calming presence it takes such a village to raise people and I was raised by siblings and by my parents but nobody is gonna take the place of your mother and I am 36 years old and I still needed my mom and she still showed up like that blows my mind it blows my mind so just to be here and get to spend that time with her and get to know her a little bit better and just I just love her even more um just she's such she's foundation like she's foundation she's home she's heart she's she's everything and I don't even think she knows how awesome she is like I don't know that she knows but I needed her like and I said it several times and I'm not ashamed to be like where's my mama somebody Call my mama and get her up to this hospital. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right now. <laughs> but 
yeah doesn't have that and for you to be able to no kidding enjoy that time no distractions no meetings no work you are being able to grow that relationship on a different level because now you're a mom mm-hmm. and now things are starting to probably make a lot more sense <laughs> mm-hmm. than it did when you yes were, right yes you you met justice uh listeners viewers y'all don't know justice but justice definitely made me be like i need to go and apologize to my mom like right now and every time i see her i don't care what she asks for i don't care if my mom asks for the moon i'm on the phone trying to figure out how to get the moon because she did what i'm doing seven times Mm-mm. she deserves everything but yeah you're right when you become a parent it makes so much more sense and you realize like oh this ain't as easy as i thought it was i love it though i love your update i love the fact that you and i hear the growth in <laughs> from years ago when it was boss <laughs> For those of y'all that can't see us, it's us filling our arms in the air like the yeah. The what is it? Inflatable. <laughs> yeah, the wacky inflatable man. Yes. So I will always come in office like boss. <laughs> Even just this short time, I can tell that you you're confident in the decision that you made, and you're confident mm-hmm. in where you decided to go. Because, you know, some people take a sabbatical. Oh, I'm going to go to Bali and I'm going to do this and I'm going to travel and do it. And you was like, no, I'm going home. I'm going to my home base. Right. Into the hood. Don't forget. For real. I'm like deep in the streets right now, y'all. I'm in the hood. Like, and even that, like, at first, you know, we're in the Air Force, so we get used to a certain kind of lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? And I was joking with my sister the other day. I was like, my dad don't have an ice maker. I'm out here looking for ice trays. I'm like, am I an ice tray kind of woman? Like, what's happening? <laughs> because he survived. <laughs> we just left those environments. And the crazy part is we say hood, but that hood was home. Country is home. It's, it's where you started. It's where your foundation was laid. And, you know, we elevated in some ways, but all roads lead back yeah. That's right. And I think my husband is teaching me because he's such a, he has such a heart for like people. He doesn't look down on people. And I'll admit that sometimes when I see people, like there are a lot of folks around here who are like addicts and they're homeless and all that stuff. I, a lot of times will like keep walking. I'm like, they're going to do me some harm or something like that. My husband takes every opportunity to like, and my dad's the same way, every opportunity to treat people like people and I didn't really feel convicted about it until I saw that like this is how my dad and my husband does they don't care like if you're an alcoholic they don't care if you're on some kind of drugs you know they're just treating you like people and being here like in the heart of where you see people hanging out at the corner store and you see all of this stuff like it's it's a reminder I think especially for me that like except for the grace of God, except that God pulled me out of here and took me someplace else. I could be one of these people and that these people 
they're decent people. They just happen to have like addictions and things like that. Like I saw one kid in danger when I was here and I always, even before I moved here, I'd be like, oh, the people in this neighborhood, you know, they do this, they do that. They're, you know, but I saw people that didn't know this child stop and protect this child. And I was like, okay, like that really opened my eyes to like, how am I treating people because they have less or because I some I would see like addictions and things like that as a moral failing and failing instead of what it is is like an addiction like you know their addiction just happens to be um, less socially acceptable than my addiction. So yeah, this is this, this is it. Like this is the place to be. I'm in the right place. And then I got to bring up my uncle who we always talk about. Remember when I first told him about sabbatical, he was like, mm, I don't know. He said to me when I was talking to him, he's like, nothing but brought you here. Like you were in the right place at the right time, which I had already gotten there. You know what I mean? Like we know I had already gotten there, but it took him a minute to catch up. And that just taught me like, you know, there are going to be some great people in our lives with good sound advice and they mean well, but sometimes that's just not the right advice for where we are and for what's going to happen in our life. Like, he didn't mean he didn't mean me any harm and he was giving me good sound advice based on what he knew. But he could not have known what was gonna happen. And we did not know what was gonna happen. So yeah, I feel confident. And I don't I don't care if I get a trip overseas or if I never get to explore anything in Little Rock, like was my original plan. Cause you know, I was gonna explore. I was gonna go to every little coffee shop and boutique downtown. If I never get to do any of those things, like I came here and I did what the Lord wanted me to do here. So at three and a half months, I don't know what kind of update y'all gonna get at six months <laughs> with this. Man, but we appreciate you giving us access to you in this form because you are a private person. You don't. Mm. Hey, world, this is what I'm doing. You kind of just move to the beat of your own drum. And I thank you for trusting me and those around you to be in this space with you and for your delivery, the way that you are showing up. Because this is very personal this is mm. raw right like you're still processing this but I appreciate you um, because whoever hears this it's going to touch them in some way because I can tell you um, your first podcast with me there were people who didn't even know about this program and mm. people reach out to me and say hey I shared your episode with so-and-so because they, you know, they're in this space and they needed to know it was available. So I thank you for your impromptu. And y'all, when I say impromptu, she was like, hey, boss, I got to get it out. And I don't know how. So before we started talking, I'm like, girl, are you, are you serious? Is this what you Because <laughs> usually like we, we got a plan, like we're kind of structured, but um, I do. I appreciate you. I appreciate you for letting us be in your space. And, you know, you are always welcome to update us as much as you would like. 
thank you thank you for letting me use your platform and thank you for being available because i know the last time how you were we were doing something and i was not i was a no show no call you were like yo <laughs> i held this space for you <laughs> so you know now i'd be like it's 10 o'clock it's 11 o'clock it's 12 o'clock <laughs> one o'clock time for the appointment <laughs> You know, you got to do what you got to do to be on time. <laughs> so before you get off, I would like for you to give a word of encouragement in this space because I know you have one. Ooh, okay, well, just in the vein of everything that has happened, center yourselves on something that doesn't change. People will change, your emotions will change, your ideas will change, and sometimes your beliefs will change. Center yourself on something that doesn't change. And don't focus so much on what things look like. There are so many things that happen in our life. And even now, whoever's listening to this, I'm sure there are so many positive and good things coming for you. Don't spend so much time focused on lack, on what you don't have, on who's not there. Focus on the people that you care about and that you love, that love you, positive things, healthy things. Um, know that whatever that's going on, whatever trouble that you might be going through right now, it's not going to last. So it's okay to praise now. It's okay to be happy now. It's okay to imagine now, to look forward to now. Um, you are capable, you are ready, you are awesome, you are loved, you are powerful, you are valuable, um, and you are enough. All right, y'all, on that note, until next time, thank you so much, and we will talk to y'all later. Sis, thank you for listening to the She Speaks podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on your social media platforms with your family, friends, and coworkers. I would also love to hear how the show has impacted you in your life. Feel free to leave me a message via Anchor or follow me on Instagram at the She Speaks. Until next time, walk in who you are, adjust your crown, and stand tall, sis. We all have a story to tell and there's someone out there who needs to hear yours.